Welcome to No Rain Date, a community podcast about local news and people. No Rain Date is a production of Saucon Source LLC. For more local news and information, please visit SaucinSource.com. Hello, No Rain Date listeners, and welcome to another episode of your local news and interview podcast, No Rain Date. I'm Josh Papachak, your host for the podcast and the publisher of Sock and Source. And these are the headlines for the week ending April 3rd, 2021. We're coming into Easter weekend, so I wanted to start off by wishing those of you who celebrate Easter a very happy Easter and a safe holiday. Happy Passover, too, to those who celebrate that. And for those who don't celebrate, I hope you have a wonderful early spring weekend. The weather is chilly right now, but it's in the process of warming up. And the next week looks to be a lot warmer than the past couple days have been. It's going to feel like spring with highs in the 60s. We already have some of the flowers out, daffodils, forsythia, a few cherry blossoms. We're going to have the air temperatures to match the look of spring that we've been enjoying for about the last week or so. It was quite warm briefly at the end of March, so we're going to get back into that pattern it looks like. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to take advantage of it and get outside, hit the Sauk and Rail Trail, which is very popular year-round, but for about a month plus this year, it was basically difficult to access due to the snow cover that we had all through February and into the early part of March. That's a distant memory now, so definitely getting into the heart of spring. Our big headline this week is involving local infrastructure, which is interesting because this week in the national news, President Joe Biden announced a $2 trillion plan to improve the nation's aging infrastructure, including bridges. This story involves the Meadows Road Bridge, which if you're familiar with Saucon Valley, you are probably familiar with the Meadows Road Bridge. It's a historic stone arch bridge on Meadows Road, just east of Route 412, just a little bit north of the giant shopping center. And this bridge was built in 1858, so it actually predates the Civil War, which is kind of mind-boggling. That Just a few years ago, we were regularly driving across it. It has been closed to traffic since April 2018. I believe it was April... 5th, 2018 that it closed, or April 4th, so it's almost exactly three years, and that was due to deterioration that was discovered during a routine inspection of the bridge. There's been a detour in place that entire time, obviously, and maintenance on the bridge has essentially been non-existent, as far as I'm aware, while it's been closed. No decisions have been made about the bridge's future, the two options have basically been to repair it or replace it, but both have pros and cons. Obviously, repairing it would be costly, and then at the end of that, they're still going to have a bridge that's functionally obsolete because it is a one-lane bridge, and it's 
a humpback bridge. So you have stop signs at either end of it. It's difficult to see across it if you're in a lower profile vehicle. That's the type I drive, so I'm aware of aware of that. And I've already been in a situation where I started across it and then the person on the other side was also in a lower profile vehicle. They started across it. You get to the middle of it and you're kind of facing off against each other. Somebody has to back up. So that's obviously not ideal for a bridge to be designed like that. On the other hand, it is one of the oldest bridges in Northampton County. And it is on the National Register of Historic Places. That happened just last September. And that was quite an achievement, especially considering that repairs the county has made to the bridge over the years have not always been sympathetic uh, from a historic preservation point of view. The big example of that is that they've used Portland cement to patch the bridge instead of a historically accurate type of mortar that would match the rest of the structure and probably obviously be more historically accurate and and more attractive as well. So those are the disadvantages of repairing it. Replacing it would probably be more expensive, but then you're going to have a modern bridge there that can accommodate bigger vehicles, more traffic, that type of thing. It's possible that this damage will at least spark another conversation about the bridge's future. Lower Saucon Township Council early on in 2018 voted to endorse rehabilitating the existing bridge because they viewed it, at least the council at that time, viewed it as a historic asset within the community. However, that vote has no carries no weight. It's entirely up to Northampton County officials to decide what to do with the bridge. And funding is obviously an issue with that. I would imagine that county officials will want to address this collapse of part of the north-facing wall of the bridge. It certainly doesn't bode well, in my opinion, for those who are advocating for its preservation. However, the the conversations are, are going to have to be had about that, I would recommend checking out the article that I've published because it does have a a photo, a large photo of the damage, and you'll see that there's now a gaping hole in the north-facing wall where the stones that collapsed were located. They've collapsed into the stream below. It's not exactly clear when this happened either, but apparently it was sometime in March. The weather has been very erratic, as I just mentioned, with huge swings in the temperature from bitterly cold air to nearly 70 degrees some days. So I can imagine that that could put more stress on on a structure that's already deteriorated and has issues, obviously. I can see both sides of the repair versus replace issue. It's a difficult decision Certainly, no matter what is decided, somebody's going to be unhappy with it. But the option to do nothing isn't a good option either. There's been a detour in place this entire time. A local business is impacted, which is the Meadows Banquet Facility on the 
west bank of the Saucon Creek. It's more difficult to get there and to the homes beyond it because of the closure of the Meadows Road Bridge. I'm sure residents of that area have adapted and gotten used to the inconvenience, and I'm sure maybe some enjoy living on a on a dead-end street, but that's, like I said, not an ideal long-term solution to, to keep the bridge closed, and that's not going to happen. Sooner or later, there will be a decision made about it, and uh, it will be interesting to see uh, what is discussed leading up to that and uh, how the bridge's history, especially the fact that it's now in the historic register, how that impacts the ultimate decision, which of course we will monitor and report on. In local business news, we once again have quite a few stories that we've shared. Several new businesses are in the process of opening. We have stories about each one. I was fortunate to visit the owner of a new halo therapy center that's opening in Hellertown this past week. It's called The Sweetness of Salt, and the owner is Jillian Rossi. If you're not familiar with halo therapy, it's a type of holistic therapy that involves the use of pink Himalayan salt, which, according to practitioners, has healing properties. They say it can do everything from improve lung function to lower blood pressure to improve skin conditions such as psoriasis. Now, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not saying whether any of this is true or not, but but those are the claims, and it's a beautiful facility. She's taken over a storefront in the Water Street Plaza Shopping Center on Water Street in Hellertown. The address is 45 West Water Street, and that's the plaza with Saucon Valley Sporting Goods in it, and Here's what's happening, several other businesses. When you go in, it's a very light, bright atmosphere. Of course, they're following COVID safety protocols. And I should mention that the Sweetness of Salt is not officially opening until April 10th when they're having a ribbon-cutting ceremony with the Hellertown Lower Saucon Chamber of Commerce. But inside, there's a room that's been created that functions as a salt cave. And a salt cave is a naturally occurring underground chamber in which uh, traditionally people have gone for this restorative therapy, this halo therapy. They will relax in some type of reclining chair and have a blanket over them because it tends to be cool, obviously, in a cave. And, And this will replicate that environment. She has zero gravity loungers in this salt cave, which has 2,200 pounds of loose pink Himalayan salt on the floor, if you can picture that. It's actually been distressed. The walls have been distressed to create the look of a cave, and the lighting is dim. There are pink Himalayan salt crystals in sections of the wall. So, so you really do get that feeling of being in some type of underground room, which is pretty neat. And I didn't have the full effect, obviously, because I wasn't there to have a halo therapy session, but they last 45 minutes. You have soothing music uh, playing, and so it sounds like a very relaxing experience. 
Uh, she has a great website where you can find more information about that. And uh, of course, Facebook and Instagram. So the sweetness of salt, check that out. Like I said, there will be a ribbon cutting April 10th. You can put that on your calendar. Over at the promenade shops, there are a couple of updates to share. One is that a designer gown boutique, which also offers uh, tuxedo rentals, has opened as of April 1st. It's called La Femme Boutique, and it is a large store. I did not go into it, but I drove by it the other day to get a couple photos. Looks like they have a great selection of gowns. Obviously, we're coming into prom season, and while not every school is sponsoring a prom, I'm sure some are, and some that aren't, perhaps families will be organizing some type of activity outside of school. I know that happened last summer. I just hope that everybody is safe in doing that if they decide to do that. But clearly there's a demand for formal wear and not just for proms. Uh, Wedding season is coming up and graduations, of course. So I think they will do a good business. There aren't any stores like that in the immediate area. You would typically have to go to Quakertown or Whitehall, uh, Bethlehem, one of the bigger shopping areas to rent a tuxedo or purchase some type of gown. It sounds like they also try and give back at this store uh, by providing gowns to lower income teens from Lehigh, Northampton County. So that's something that you might want to uh, share if you know somebody who, uh, who could use some assistance with that. The other news from the promenade is that a European wax center is going to be opening there sometime this summer. They did not give an exact date, just summer 2021, but European Wax Center is a chain of hair removal businesses. They have more than 800 locations nationwide, and they do have other locations in the Lehigh Valley. They have two in the Allentown area and one in the Easton Lower Nazareth area. So certainly some readers are already familiar with them, but this will be more convenient for local residents who, who use their services. They have waxing services for both men and women, and I linked out to the full list of, of those in the story, which was published on Friday. And then our last business update is about a landmark business, actually, and it's a food business. This would be Gritta's in Richland Town. And Gritta's is a landmark on Main Street in the borough of Richland Town. It's been there since 1967, operated by the Gritta family. It's essentially an outdoor seasonal ice cream stand. They also sell hot dogs and other types of fast food, a lot of you know fries, burgers, comfort food, if you will. They're famous for their soft ice cream. The business was recently sold to another family, the Cars, which was precipitated by Michelle Gritta's illness. She shared with us that she had COVID-19 and actually had severe symptoms because of it. Uh, That was last year, and that sort of prompted her to rethink the amount of time that she was putting into the business. Obviously, when you when you run a business like that, it's 
extremely time consuming and they ultimately decided that they did want to sell it and it sounds like that was a decision that wasn't made hastily but with a lot of thought and consideration to the history that they have in the community it's it's certainly a beloved a landmark in Richland Town, which does not have a lot of businesses either. This is one of the few eateries in that immediate area. There's also uh, Alcamo, which is a great Italian place down the street. But for that type of food, there's not much else in the immediate vicinity. So it'll be interesting to see what updates uh, the Carr family makes. I know they're going to be adding some things to the menu and developing a website, which Britta's hasn't had before, so that's exciting. We'll certainly provide an update uh, when they announce an opening date. I believe that's going to be in May sometime, but check back with Sock and Source for more information about that in the weeks to come. Also business-related news, in a way, uh, we had a story about gas prices, which have been very high over the past couple months. They're remaining high right now in Hellertown. The average price is between $2.99 and $3.09 a gallon. This is up and down the 412 corridor. The cheapest gas as of Saturday was at Turkey Hill and Sitco, which were both selling a gallon of regular unleaded for $2.99. This is above average for the Allentown area where the average price of a gallon of regular unleaded is $2.94. That, however, is also above the national average, which is $2.87. Still not great. (laughs) If you look at the context, that's the highest the national average has been in at least 18 months. I was on GasBuddy.com and the graph did not go back further than October of 2019. But Suffice it to say, it's it's quite high and it's concerning some people, particularly those who drive for a living. That's a lot of people, commuters too. The factors behind this are primarily supply and demand. I know a lot of conspiracy theories tend to pop up regarding gas prices, but if you look at the production levels, that is really the the driver behind these high prices. It will be interesting to see what happens as spring progresses. Typically, there is a a spike when the switch from winter-grade petroleum to spring-grade happens, so that might also be a factor right now. We'll see, and I know many, many people are planning summer trips right now, too, so lots of eyes will be focused on, on gas in the near future. In police news, we have one story this week, which I wanted to draw your attention to. It's a suspicious activity report from the Lower Saucon Township Police Department. This was last week on Apple Street. Apparently, a man in his 50s, possibly early 60s, was driving an older red Land Rover and pulling a trailer, which appeared to be loaded with junk. He pulled into a resident's driveway and asked if he could leave the trailer there. The resident obviously said no because he didn't know this person at all. Then the man proceeded to ask him a couple of strange questions, including whether he knew somebody named General Mad Dog. (laughs) And this is straight from the Lower Saucon Township Police. The resident said no. Obviously, we're perplexed by this 
man's appearance out of the blue and it was in the daytime it was clearly daylight the police shared a couple of surveillance images as well as a video in their post on their crime watch page but unfortunately you could not get a good look at the man of course it's possible that this was an innocent person who was confused or lost or you know just having some type of uh, mental episode and and you know Maybe there was no ill will meant, uh, but certainly it's good to err on the side of caution, and and that's what the resident did by reporting it to police, and police in turn shared it with the community. And and I always try and share um, that type of story because you don't know what somebody's motives could be, and it's better to be safe than to be sorry. So we did have that story. Lastly, we had a letter to the editor this week. We do publish letters to the editor about topics of interest from people in the community. This was in response to a recent op-ed that we published about the Equality Act and advocating that U.S. Senator Pat Toomey from Pennsylvania support the Equality Act. The Equality Act would ban discrimination against LGBTQ people throughout the state, throughout the United States rather. Many states, in fact 29, including Pennsylvania, do not have constitutional bans against discrimination of LGBTQ people, residents. The National Federal Equality Act would supersede the states and effectively eliminate that issue, which is an issue because it can affect somebody's ability to get a job, purchase a product, rent a house or an apartment, buy a house. There are a number of of ways that LGBTQ people continue to be discriminated against, and it's unfortunate. So we had a letter to the editor that endorsed what the op-ed discussed. We encourage, you know, all points of view, and as long as they're respectful, anyone with a letter to the editor can email it to me at josh.sockinsource.com for consideration. Like I said, it should be signed and it should include the author's hometown so that we know that it's a local person that wrote it. It doesn't have to be anything more specific than Hellertown or Bethlehem or Easton, but that's important for the sake of transparency, especially in this day and age. So I just wanted to put that out there. That's our news roundup for this week. And we thank you for joining us. We'll see you again next week. Here at Sock and Source, our mission is to provide information and make it as available as possible to the people in our community. A large part of that is a public service. And we're grateful for the support we have from local advertisers because that revenue helps keep the information flowing to you, our readers and listeners. Local news production does cost money, and that's why we've also introduced a voluntary membership option on Sock and Source, and we'd like to tell you a little more about that. Essentially, the membership 
is a recurring monthly contribution that shows your support for the work that we're doing. It helps guarantee that the information will remain free and accessible to you as well as to others in our community and it also helps fund our future growth. Sock and Source is growing and we're expanding our coverage area. The more support we receive from the community, the better coverage we can provide and the more useful the site will be to you. So that's why we would invite you to visit our membership page on the website sockandsource.com. You can do that by clicking on join under my sock and source which you'll see on the right side of your screen if you're on a desktop or at the bottom of any article page. You'll see several membership options including a monthly membership for $7, a four-month membership for $25, or a yearly membership for $70. These are strictly voluntary contribution levels and they're not any part of a paywall. There's no requirement to contribute, but we are grateful for those who have already done so and we hope that you will consider purchasing a membership in the future. Doing so is quick and easy. You can do it securely online and you can cancel at any time. Thank you again to all our current members and thank you for considering becoming a future member. This week on No Rain Date, it's my pleasure to welcome our special guest, uh, Independent Transportation Network of the Lehigh Valley Executive Director, Jesse Chappelle. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We're big fans of yours and appreciate, you know, all the support you've you've been giving Sock and Source. I should mention that ITN Lehigh Valley is also an advertiser and we certainly appreciate that. We wanted to bring you on the show to talk more about the unique services you offer, especially local seniors, and some new exciting services that you have related to COVID-19. But I wanted to start off just by explaining to listeners that ITN Lehigh Valley is a nonprofit organization that serves individuals who are over 60, as well as visually impaired residents 18 and over in Northampton and Lehigh counties. So that's obviously a big area and includes Hellertown, Lower Saucon, our home turf. Can you talk a little bit, Jesse, about the organization's history here in Lehigh Valley and why was it founded in the first place and who are you helping and, and how? Yeah, absolutely. So ITN Lehigh Valley started in our area in 2013 and it actually started in Hellertown. And, you know, we are our own 501c3 nonprofit organization, but we are affiliated with and modeled after a transportation program put in place called Independent Transportation Network, or ITN America, is kind of the founding entity mm-hmm. that put out, you know, recognized a need for transportation for seniors and put out a model that was adaptable to multiple communities all over the country to use in their own communities. And so that's something that we were able to do back when our organization started in 2013. And, you know, the the need that the original founders were trying to meet in our area, just like in other areas around the country, was having something that was reliable and personable for seniors who might be uncomfortable with the idea of giving up their car keys. A lot of times it's a tough decision for them to make or a decision that wasn't even made by them. If their doctor has made that decision or if a family member has really urged them to stop driving, 
due to physical limitations or cognitive limitations. And a lot of times there is quite a bit of independence that's lost with that. And it can also impact their ability to age in place, maybe stay in their own homes and still have access to all of the resources that they need in the community. And so what ITN Lehigh Valley does and what ITN does as a whole is to meet that need and kind of be a bridge for those seniors to all of the resources that our community has to offer them. Hmm. Well, it certainly makes sense that it would be here in Lehigh Valley. There's a very large senior population just in Hellertown alone. I think 25% of the residents are senior citizens. So you have a big market for sure. There are other options though, I guess, though, like, you know, public transportation comes to mind. Obviously, in, in your case, you're providing rides in private automobiles. Is that something that's like more comfortable for a lot of seniors? Maybe they're not used to like riding on a bus or something like that? Yeah, and you know, we are lucky in our area that we do have some public transportation options. And one in particular is the Lanta van system, which does transportation for seniors and also does paratransit. And so there is that option for seniors, particularly those who maybe have more significant mobility issues, if they're wheelchair bound, for instance, because it is a wheelchair accessible van. So that is kind of one end of the spectrum in our area. And then when you think about transportation options, other than just riding with a friend or family member, especially now, we really think of things like Uber and Lyft and programs Mm -hmm. like that. And that is more you know, on one hand, that's more similar to what we do because it is private automobiles, private drivers. But the thing is, is that the rider doesn't know who the driver is and it's not as personalized. And really the biggest hurdle for a lot of seniors is the technology piece. Mm -hmm. They're not using a smartphone. They're not being able to connect in that way. Mm -hmm. So even having that ability to ride on demand isn't, it's just not accessible. And so what ITN does is, you know, we we don't currently have a wheelchair ban. That's something that possibly in the future we would be able to acquire, but we can help transport people who do need a little bit more assistance. Maybe they have a transport wheelchair that we can collapse and put in a trunk. Wheelchairs like that are fine. Rollators, walkers, canes, service animals, everything like that we're still equipped to transport and we can really customize the experience for each rider depending on their level of need. That's interesting that you, well, that's a great point. And that's interesting that you mentioned the, the accessibility issues with the technology for Uber and Lyft. Cause at first I was thinking, well, yeah, why not just use Uber? You know, but then I'm thinking, well, wait a second. I've even struggled with the app. So I don't know, like, uh, <laughs> if, if a, a 75, 85 year old person would, you know, have that level of comfort scheduling a ride that way, it might be, might be problematic. And another thing that I see that you offer too, that, that goes like above and beyond what Uber and Lyft do is you have help available for the rider once they reach their destination. So if they need assistance getting inside a building or with uh, packages or something like that, that's that's typically offered? Yes. So at our core, and I'd say most simplistically, we do transportation. And some of our members, that's all they need. They really just want to get from point A to point B and have a reliable way of doing that. 
but a lot of seniors and visually impaired adults in our community do require or prefer a little bit more assistance than that. So maybe they feel more comfortable if they're going to a doctor's office in a large hospital, for instance. If somebody walks with them to the suite to make sure that they get there okay. Or, you know, we've seen that a lot with the vaccine rides now that more people are getting vaccinated. It's a new and sometimes scary experience for people. And a lot of times we've seen, especially with some of our visually impaired riders, some of the larger vaccine clinics are not as accessible as maybe they could be and can be a bit overwhelming for people who have visual impairments. And so having somebody who has the ability to kind of guide them through that and be a helping hand, like you said, things like groceries too, bringing groceries in from the vehicle, you know, all of that, and it it does, it varies from person to person, but it makes it so much more accessible for people who do need a little bit more help. Yeah, I can see how with the vaccine, I mean, you're already sort of maybe anxious because it's, you know, health related and, you know, then you add into the mix the the complications of getting there. That's stressful. And and if you can eliminate some of the stress by by having a ride where you don't have to worry about, you know, how you're getting there, it seems like that makes a lot of sense. One thing, too, is that you know, we, we are a relatively small organization despite having a pretty large scope. And so a lot of the riders, a lot of the member riders do tend to, especially if they have kind of recurring rides, maybe they go to the grocery store every Wednesday or they go to the hair salon the same time each week. It's a pretty frequent occurrence that they have the same driver or the mm-hmm. same few drivers. So they start to be able to build a rapport with them then. They know generally who is going to come pick them up or, you know, what one or two drivers they might have most of the time. And it can make them feel a lot more comfortable, especially when a situation comes up that is a little bit less comfortable, like a vaccine trip or, you know, some of those more serious medical rides like cancer and dialysis treatments or cancer testing and things that, you know, where anxieties are really high anyway, to have a familiar face there and somebody who they know assisting them is an extra peace of mind. Oh, thanks for pointing that out. That's that's uh, good to know. How far in advance do rides need to be scheduled and how does payment work for the rides? And can you also talk a little bit about the cost? Yeah, so as far as how far in advance rides need to be scheduled, we ask that rides be scheduled with us by 3 o'clock p.m. the day before, whenever possible. And what that does is that allows us to make sure that we have a driver available for whenever the rider wants it. You know, that way they're not waiting. You know, we don't, especially now due to COVID, really do ride sharing. And so it's not something or a situation where maybe somebody has an appointment at 11 o'clock and they have to be picked up at nine instead due to the routes that we're driving and have to get there super early or wait in a crowded waiting room for a long time. It's really, they tell us they want to be picked up at 10 o'clock and they get picked up at 10 o'clock. So, you know, in that regard, the earlier that people can get on the schedule, the better, but we kind of set that cutoff at 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. Now, things do happen sometimes, and we do work with people as much as possible. So, you know, sometimes you wake up and have an issue, and the doctor can get you in later that day. 
we are not emergency transportation. We can't provide emergency services because, you know, we're transportation based, not medical based. But when things like that come up and situations arise, we try to work with the member riders as much as possible to make those last minute rides occur, which is possible mostly because most people are able to schedule in advance and we can kind of get those drivers on the schedule and know where they're going to be. Great, great. That sounds like a, a good system for for scheduling. And then the next next part of my question was payment. I know you have information on your website about the costs, and I, I believe the average cost of a of a round trip is something like eleven dollars. Is that right? The average cost per ride is around eleven dollars. Now that depends. The cost for the ride is really determined based on the miles driven. So if someone is using the service to go, you know, from Main Street in Bethlehem to Broad Street in Bethlehem, and it's practically a walking distance route, they're obviously going to pay a lot less. But we do go almost the entirety of Lehigh, Northampton County. So we do have sometimes riders in Bath or Wind Gap that need to get all the way out to Fogelsville. Hmm. So because it is, you know, a per mile rate, that is going to be more expensive then. So we do try through grant funding in particular, grant funding and private donations, to keep those costs as low as possible. The ride fares that are paid by our members only cover about half the true cost of the ride to the organization. And that is when things come into play like gas, mileage, insurance, the scheduling system, and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's where the other half is really covered by donations. And we do also offer low-income assistance to riders who might need it to really, you know, help cover those payments if they do get too cumbersome. Right, right. And like you said, the the ride cost is based on the mileage, not on the amount of time that you're in the car, like which would be like a taxi. Exactly. Yeah. Because I know that can add stress too when you're, you know, stuck in traffic or something. And obviously, traffic can be an issue in this in the Lehigh Valley. You don't have to worry about paying more if, like, you get stuck due to an accident or something like that. Exactly. It's just based on the miles. Can you tell us a little bit more about your drivers and how they become drivers? Like, what qualifications they have and what their vehicles are like. Sure. So our drivers do use their own personal vehicles. The vehicles have to be insured, and we do have minimum insurance requirements. Obviously, as an organization, we carry insurance as well, but the vehicles are all registered, insured, inspected, and we do have a you know, pretty stringent policies in place as to the condition of the vehicle. Not so much the age of the vehicle, but it needs to be obviously in good running order, and it needs to be kept clean. And that's particularly important now with COVID, there are, you know, really these vehicles are getting wiped down with disinfectant, especially the commonly touched surfaces between every single rider. And that's to to keep our riders safe. Then the, the drivers, we have kind of two types of drivers here. And we do have paid drivers on staff. And that allows us to offer rides 24-7, 365 days a year. So the paid drivers really, they do. They allow us that flexibility. They let me know that I always have somebody on 
you know, that can cover a ride at any time as long as it's scheduled, you know, enough in advance that I can let that person know. And that's how we can do holidays. That's how we can do weekends. So paid drivers are extremely important for the consistency and the reliability of the organization. But we do, because we are a nonprofit organization, we do take volunteers as volunteer drivers, and they're truly the backbone of our organization. Because what they're able to do is drive these routes, make those meaningful connections with the members, and also help us keep the overhead low so that we don't have really hardly any aspect of an organizational budget that doesn't go directly to program services. Fantastic. It seems like a great, it would be a rewarding experience, especially if you're somebody that cares about local seniors. Like I I know a number of people that volunteer for Meals on Wheels. You're serving a similar type clientele. So that that could be a, a great fit for somebody that wants to help out in that way. Tell us a little bit more about the Mobile Vaccine Clinic. Speaking of Meals on Wheels, this is your new program which you've partnered with Meals on Wheels of the Lehigh Valley and the Bethlehem Health Bureau on, and it's basically bringing the COVID vaccine out into the community to individuals who have transportation issues and are in your your demographic that you serve. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So to to start out with that, really the the Bethlehem Health Bureau and all of the people there, I mean, they have been doing just an incredible job. The the staff there, the Medical Reserve Corps, which are you know mostly volunteer based. And they're also the ones that put on the mass clinics at Wind Creek multiple times a week. So they've been, I mean, to date, they've done well over 30,000 vaccines. And so, and and again, you know, very small staff and a lot of volunteers. So that's really been, I mean, that's been a monumental accomplishment for a relatively small organization. And they're really the ones, I mean, they're the ones in our area anyway, particularly to Northampton County. So when we're talking especially about, you know, the Hellertown area, which is where I'm from, and Bethlehem as well, they're the ones that are really making this happen because they have the vaccine and can coordinate volunteers that can administer the vaccine. Now, where Meals on Wheels comes in and where we come in is that, you know, the senior aspect of it. So obviously transportation can be a huge a huge barrier for seniors to getting health care in general. If they don't have reliable transportation or transportation that they're comfortable with, comfortable using, then it's a lot less likely that they will seek out health care or get the health care, including just preventative health care, which vaccines are considered as well. They're not going to get that because they're not going to, you know, that bridge isn't there. And so, you know, the Bethlehem Health Bureau has been doing a fantastic job of setting up kind of mini clinics, which haven't gotten as much attention at some of the senior high rises and senior communities so that they can vaccinate people right there in, you know, in their homes. Hmm. And these, you know, again, when we're talking about seniors, these are really the most vulnerable people when it comes to to the effects of COVID-19. And we've really, I mean, we've seen them disproportionately affected and having statistically worse outcomes with this virus than so many other demographics have. It's really the aging population that's been hit the hardest. And so in so many ways, 
especially when you're considering hospitalizations and how people are faring from this virus, they you know, are absolutely some of the most important people to get vaccinated and get vaccinated quickly. So that's then leads us to what we're starting to do now. Meals on Wheels reached out to the health bureaus, and I believe that they did reach out to the Allentown Health Bureau too. We're specifically involved with Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. And said, you know, they have these lists of all of these seniors in the Lehigh Valley that are relatively homebound. So we know that they have some transportation barriers, that they are eligible for the vaccine because of their age and or other physical ailments that they might have. And, you know, they don't have access. They don't have access and they need access. And so Meals on Wheels suggestion was for the Bethlehem Health Bureau to, or the Allentown Health Bureau, to travel the Meals on Wheels routes to vaccinate these individuals in their homes as well, just like we would at, you know, some of the senior high rises. It's a little bit more complicated because with each vaccine given, a medical professional has to wait for 15 minutes at a minimum. It can be 30 minutes if the person has had a history of anaphylaxis Mm -hmm. and they have to wait and monitor them. So when you're talking about going into individual homes, especially, you know, private family homes, that's a minimum of a 15 minute wait per home not to mention the travel time. And so it is a pretty big undertaking. And that's when this started to come together and they started to get these routes that the Bethlehem Health Bureau reached out to us at ITN to see if we could supply drivers for this to drive these routes so that the vaccinator and, you know, the, the vaccination team, which is a vaccinator and a scribe, can really quickly, you know, get out of the car, get in, give the vaccine, spend about 15 minutes doing some of the paperwork, getting the information, and then they don't have to worry about finding parking or, you know, figuring out on a GPS where to go next. The driver already knows and is on route, you know, the second they get back into the car. Huh. Wow, that's awesome. So you're, in in a way, you're kind of the middleman between the, the health bureau and the recipients and Meals on Wheels provided the information to, to yes. be used. Yeah, Meals on Wheels provided a list. Now, they, they obviously got permission from, you know, anyone on their membership that is on the list, but of, you know, those names and addresses of individuals who are eligible for the vaccine, but have not, for whatever reason, been able to receive it yet. I understand. I think that's that's great. And you just started this Monday, so you really probably, do you, do you have any sense of how it's going so far? Yeah, so so Monday was the pilot, and we started in Hellertown. That was that was kind of first actually. So it was Hellertown, Fountain Hill, and South Bethlehem were the first routes. Yeah, and obviously <laughs> there are there are many routes, um, and spanning. You know, we're looking just at Northampton County, so we're looking in the Bethlehem area first, but really you know, the entirety of Northampton County. Right. So this was this was the beginning. And, you know, we sent out we had three drivers and the vaccination teams were all volunteers and we were able to go out. And, you know, it, it was it was successful. We were able to deliver the vaccines right into the homes of I believe it was it was probably about the first day was about 30 people. Hmm. We hit about 30 people and, you know, just kind of as like a trial run. And so now we're ready to go, and we're going to do kind of the next round this Friday. 
Fantastic. Well, I'm glad to hear it's off to a good start. And whether it's three people, 30 people, it's still more people than would be getting vaccinated otherwise. So I think that's that's a success story for sure. And exciting, too, that it started in Hellertown and Fountain Hill. So keep up the good work with that. As far as COVID, what, what have been some of the other challenges over the past year for your organization and, and how have you adapted? I know you mentioned that the ride sharing stopped. Do you think that will come back though eventually? I think that it will come back eventually as, you know, as more people get vaccinated, as we get through the pandemic based on member demand. So a lot of times, you know, pre-pandemic, ITN was serving so many purposes far beyond just doing medical rides. So a lot of times if we had, you know, multiple members spending different households and they were friends, we could maybe pick up one and then pick up the other and take them to the mall and then they would want to go to dinner afterward and then drop them off at their respective homes. Really the social aspect was huge and was growing before the pandemic. And so I think that that demand, the social demand is going to come back. You know, that's definitely been hit due to COVID as, you know, there's, there has been no socialization. There's been really extremely limited person to person contact, especially with so many of these individuals are really high risk. Right. Yeah. Even church. I mean, which is kind of sacred, no pun intended, but a lot of services have been on hold for a good year now. So that will be an exciting change when, like you said, things things start to return towards in-person events a little bit. Another thing that I wanted to highlight is that you have something called a car trade program, which allows seniors that maybe aren't using their cars much anymore or using it at all, they can trade it in and basically the value is transferred to them in like credits for rides. Is that how that works? Exactly. So this is a program that hasn't been utilized much yet, especially this past year due to the, the pandemic. But yeah, that, that's basically right. Sometimes, you know, people have a vehicle and then they have given up driving and the vehicle sits and it sits and then it devalues as it sits. And so they do. Any Anyone who is a member with us has the opportunity to trade in the vehicle. Now, the it would be whatever the, the trade-in value would be for the vehicle, which, you know, we can determine that they get in ride credits then. And so they are basically, you know, their car, even though they're not able to ride in their own car anymore and drive their own car, it's still, you know, from a sentimental purpose for some people, their car is still providing them rides in a way. And that can make it a little bit more, a little bit easier and a little more manageable for them if they, you know, do decide to give up that car. And one thing that we do too is that anyone, even if they're not a member, can donate their vehicle. And we do have a program, which is also on our website, that is a really, really easy donation program for vehicles. And what that does is that since we are a nonprofit organization, there is a tax deduction then, you know, it is a tax deductible donation. And a lot of times people who maybe have an older car, the trade-in value is not that high on it. They might not get much value by selling it. 
and it's just the hospital doing so as well. Mm-hmm. So if they can get the tax credit and it can go to you know a good service, then that can be really attractive. It can be a nice option that sometimes is just sitting in someone's driveway that they're able to help their community in a way that maybe they didn't even think about. Yeah, no, it's it's great to, that that is an option. I'm sure there are many people that might want to think about that based on their circumstances. Like you said, there's information about that on your website. Can you tell us the website address? And there's a lot of information on there. You can also apply for driver positions on the website, correct? Yes. So our website is www.itnlehighvalley.org. And we have everything on there from membership applications. A lot of times when someone contacts us originally about our service, many times it's, you know, a family member or an adult child of the person who is actually riding because maybe they have seen it on the internet or they've seen our social media and they reach out. So we do have it set up on our website that they can fill out an application for services and even pay for services online through our website if they choose to. Obviously, we still do traditional paper and pen as well for people who are more comfortable with that. And volunteers can also apply on our website. So we do have our full volunteer application up on our website, and they're able to either print out an application and mail it in or can submit it right through the website. Great. Yeah, it's a very well-designed website. I was navigating it earlier, finding lots of information. You're also on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Anything else? We're, we're most active on Facebook. Facebook, and we have an Instagram as well, but I'd say mostly Facebook. Okay. Yeah, so definitely like ITN Lehigh Valley on Facebook for updates there. And itnlehighvalley.org is the website. Check it out. Thank you so much for joining us, Jesse, and for sharing all this information, which is very timely, I think, for a lot of the, the members of our community, especially regarding the, the mobile vaccine clinic. We also, I should mention, have a story about ITN Lehigh Valley on SalkinSource.com right now on the homepage. You'll find out a lot of the references to a lot of the topics we discuss in this interview in that story. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. We've been recording No Rain Dates since late 2019, and we've produced a fair number of episodes at this point. We would love to hear your feedback about what we're doing. What makes you tune in every week? What ideas do you have for interview guests? Is there something that you think the podcast is missing? Feel free to share your thoughts, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent with us. You can do that by emailing josh at josh at sockandsource.com. No Rain Date is a local news and information podcast, and we focus on the Saucon Valley. However, our guests are from the Lehigh Valley and beyond. So please try and keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about ideas for future episodes. Thank you. No Rain Date is an original production of Sock and Source, LLC. Our theme music is provided by This Way to the Egress. For more great music by them, be sure to follow This Way to the Egress on Spotify. Thank you for listening. Every night, he climbs the tower, 